And I'm Gil. Welcome back, everybody. We are so happy that you are here today. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> there you go. That's good. <laughs> but seriously, we're so happy that you're here for this song. This is a great one. And I, I've always liked it. It's always been one of the ones that I've liked, especially. But in listening to it, and especially in listening to the instrumentals, I have only grown more and more fond of it exponentially. Yes, and I'm fascinated. I, I've become more and more fascinated with uh, kind of this lyrical content and um, and the way uh, lines sort of uh, come together or not. So oh, all I stuff that so we can much, talk about. I have so much to say about the lyrics. This is Excellent. this is going to be great. All right. I don't have a lot of background on this song. I just, I don't have a lot of facts about it. Do you? Um, I think this is one of the, uh, the last ones to, that they began recording. Hmm. I think this is, you know, so this is, this is toward the tail end of the recording process. Um, begun, the instrumental track was recorded on March 11th, 66, and vocals recorded in March, March 25th. I think that's the that's the the key that it really is sort of at the end of this whole process. Yeah, really getting down to crunch time. Right. Brian and Tony wrote it together. Tony Asher wrote the lyrics uh, and Mike sings lead. So we get another mm -hmm. lead from Mike. This has nothing to do with the song, but let me just mention that it does have to do with the album. I, I read this small independent music magazine called Far Out. I think I've sent you articles yes. from mm -hmm. them from time to time and they recently did an interview with one of our other faves elvis costello about his 500 favorite albums or the, the the 500 albums that he considers the greatest and i'm thinking wow he has time to just list that for you guys but anyway pet sounds is among them that's a long list first of all that's yeah uh, you know it's, it's a really I mean, long list for one person to collate Right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always silly to say, give me your top 10, right? But right. 500 seems on the other end, but uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's what whole organizations like Rolling Stone, you know, they, they survey or they cull picks from a, a heavily vetted group of people. Right. To and they, they all, lists. you right. don't and ask they, one person to do that. Exactly. Exactly. But Elvis, I think, probably probably has a running list anyway for, for just this sort of thing. Probably. Nick Lowe appears on the list, unsurprisingly. Can you imagine if there were no Nick Lowe albums? And on the rightly list? so. So there you go. Um, one, I was very surprised that there were no Talking Heads albums on the list. They did not appear. Interesting. Given that they sort of came up at the same time, I, I would have guessed. But anyway. I won't quibble with you, Declan. Although, Elvis, if you want to come on the show, on the on the podcast, and talk about uh, any of your 500 favorite albums, just let us know. Yeah, you'll make us both look really stupid. <laughs> yeah. It starts with just a little glance now. 
I had a more difficult time than usual figuring out where to end these clips because there's so much happening. Everything seems to happen very quickly in this song, I think. And if you listen too far, you might miss something. So I erred on the side of caution, on the side of conservatism, I think, and broke it up into more pieces than I probably needed to. Okay. But there's there's so much that's happened just in that those first you know fifteen seconds or something. Start us off. Okay. Well, I'll start with it starts. It starts right away. He comes right in. It's very similar, actually, to "That's Not Me" in that there's no instrumental intro. So you've got that word painting, I suppose. I think I have, do I have an instrumental clip yet? Do you hear that bass line? Oh yeah. That is one of the most interesting bass lines I think I've ever heard. How that's so? Going, that's that's the tonal center of this song. It's it's A. It's we're we're in the key of A major, and and that is the note that begins every line, or at least the the two lines that we've had thus far. That's the gravitational center around which the entire melody is revolving. But you know, so it it starts with just a little glance now. So it starts immediately. It starts very simply right? This mm. it, right? And and it's always interesting to start with a uh, a pronoun with no antecedent. So what starts, right? What starts with just a little glance now? Mm. Um, and then right away you're thinking. And and this is, this is for me, the key to the whole song. He, uh, think, um, mind um, is a major, a major player in this thinking and, uh, you know, versus feeling, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's it's very internal. Me. Yes. And the heart versus the head. So like you, you, you did cut it off a brand new love affair is such a beautiful thing, but if you're not careful, think about the pain it can bring, yeah, which yeah, is an interesting. And we'll get to that line, but, but thinking already, um, that's going to be central for me in trying to, you know, sort of unpack this song. Yeah, and the the rest of them come in behind Mike again almost immediately. You have that first line or the first the first rhyming couplet, I suppose. Uh, and that also does that couplet does the same thing as that's not me does in terms of that feminine rhyme. Glance now, romance now. Romance now, right? Oh, and you have the you know. Right away, you're thinking about uh, romance now. You know you ought to take it slower, um, but you can't, yeah. just can't wait to get. So thinking, and so in the first uh, in the first um, four lines, you have thinking and knowing versus the little glance and uh, getting to oh, and and you get to know her. So you know, yeah. You ought to take it slower, but you just can't wait to get to know her. So you know, know her. Yeah. Um, I, I keep wanting to go to that the, the to line. The next you, line. You cut okay. it. Yes, you, you cut okay. it too soon. You you did. I did. You know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to I, point oh, my I finger and say cut you it, cut it too soon. I either cut it too soon or too late because <laughs> I, I could have stopped. 
I could have right. stopped before. Anyway, I think all of this was in service of drawing most of the attention to what the tambourine does immediately after this in the next section. Ah, okay. And I'm very, I've become honest. so fixated on the music <laughs> of this album. Not, not just, I'm not just the tambourine, but just the musical, the arrangement choices that are made that I am afraid I can no longer think about anything else ever. So that's what okay. this album is doing to me. <laughs> and I mean, and in your defense, that is very much part of my, you know, what I like about this song is that it, it's not easily broken up and even lyrically it's not, or uh, uh, the cadence of it doesn't, isn't even, you know, isn't easily broken up. So that's, no. uh, that's key. That's key. Thank you for sympathizing with my plight. You're, you're welcome. But anyway, the, the saxophone melody underneath the brand new love affair, because the saxophone is going do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. It, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way that those, once again, it's not even really a harmony. It's more of a counter melody. It counterbalances what the voice is doing. And it's ascending, whereas the vocal line is descending. It just makes for such a captivating listening experience. And the next podcast, uh, um, everybody, is going to be Cecilia just doing all of the parts <laughs> of the uh, the musical background of the uh, of the musical settings of, I'm of one, that sounds i'm one sleepless night away from making that a reality <laughs> don't even joke about it shall we go on to this next part that you are so champing at the bit to do we shall here we go Oh my god oh my god <laughs> you go first let's talk about the lyrics okay. first okay uh, so well first of all you get the but if you're not careful think about the pain it can bring so you've got that thinking again uh but that line there's something about that line that i just don't like but if you're not careful think about the pain it can bring when it really yeah. should be but think about the pain it can bring if you're not careful so it's 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 clunky. Yeah, it's 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 clunky, but I like the fact that thinking is there again, right? Because the song's all about he's not thinking that uh this person is head over heels, right? Is there yeah, is there a yeah, is, is, is there a glance is there a glance in uh um some enchanted evening? Uh no, it's it's just from you across the room a, you may see a stranger oh, across oh, gotcha. a crowded okay. room right. so it's okay. the idea of seeing and you know seeing someone at a distance and the transitory or transient nature of that look right but it okay. isn't referred to as a glance as a glance okay very good but anyway um so uh but anyway but if you're not careful think about the pain it can bring and then i love it makes you you know and then the the anaphora of it makes yeah. you feel it makes your heart it makes your days it makes your nights um bad sad wrong long it's all very very simple but very very effective and especially when paired with the melody because and also with the baseline and we'll hear the baseline at that part specifically when we get to the bridge but they're all ascending they're all just kind of taking these steps up once again as actually you mentioned when you texted me 
it's quite Baroque. It has that sensibility behind it. Absolutely. And, you know, and once again, I tended before this project of ours, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about Beach Boys lyrics. Um, thinking and so or there's knowing. A, <laughs> and so there's uh, there's a lot here that I'm 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 growing to appreciate. At the same time, um, if it weren't for Brian's uh, Brian's arrangements and melodies and that sort of thing, uh, they would be decidedly less memorable. Yeah, and effective. Right. So, and anyway, I'm, that's it's a, just remarkable that this person who had not at all been involved with the Beach Boys on any project or in anything at all comes in and has such a major role in this production, which is the role of the text. If there are singers, you know, there are singers. For someone to have that much sway who was not at all affiliated with them or a part of the group or familiar with the dynamic or anything. That I I just think that that's so interesting. I would listen to if they sang the um, telephone book to, mm -hmm. to use it an out of date uh, cliche. Um, but uh, you know, we still had I, phone books. I would that's right. Them, sing them. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm pretty sure that I would listen to Brian Wilson arrange the phone book. Right. You know, so I think he could you give him a list of names, give him a list of numbers, and he could do something interesting musically with them. What's right? more, I, you know, I think that is something he would do. <laughs> I don't think he would be averse to a project like that. I think he'd at least consider it. You know, he'd be open to it, whereas some artists would just dismiss it out of hand. That'd be great. Uh, Brian, hey, Brian, if you want, you know, kind of uh, area code 602, it's yours and uh, and let him go to town. That'd be great. He's only doing California area codes, though. OK, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. You know, the other day I was listening to Be True to Your School. One of the lines is like, we're number one in the state. And I'm like, do you guys know how big your state is? If you are, in fact, number one in the state, I'll be very impressed. Like that is reason to brag. <laughs> But that's why there are that's why there are sports competitions because it's probably yeah. number one in football in the state or whatever. So you can actually say that, you know, okay. not just yeah. <laughs> it's you, it's, can't, you, you can't just lie like people do on their resume, right? And and you can be sure that it's not we're number one in academics in the state. You know, that's uh, no. you know kind of no, that's not know. something to brag about, right? <laughs> that has no social clout. <laughs> I believe um, anyway, okay, the tambourine. The the brand new love affair part. Right. The part that is melodically different from the part of the verse that we have just heard. But then it goes into the pre-chorus, which then goes into the chorus. And the tambourine on that transition, you know, during the it makes you feel so bad part, it goes two and three and and. We'll hear it again later. I think I, I have another instrumental clip, or if not, we'll hear it at some other point. No, we do have another instrumental clip. Okay, good. Then let's listen to it. I love that so much. And just this listen through, or just this time around listening to it, I'm really appreciating that organ as well. And yes. all of those chord changes, that's a very 
complex part for that instrument to play. And it's, it's done very well. I really like the way that sounds. Can we play it again? Yeah. Do you yeah. hear what I mean about the saxophone too? Mm -hmm. Yes. The counter melody. That's a really, uh, once again, those, those saxophone players must not have felt neglected. <laughs> <laughs> and their trombones uh, later on, I believe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So once again, mind returns. You've got to keep in mind. Um, love is here. Love is here. Yeah. And, uh, but what I find most fascinating about this entire song is that love is here today is not one unit. It's love is here. Today and it's gone. Tomorrow, Tomorrow. it's here. <laughs> Um, and yeah. so it's, and that I think is, is the, the brilliance of the, of the song right there, um, mm. from my perspective, because it's, um, you know, once again, sort of, uh, logically love is here today and to, and it's gone tomorrow, but that's not what is sung, right? That's not what you hear. You hear love is here today and it's gone tomorrow it's here and gone so fast. So yeah, I don't the, the... remember like when I learned, cause when we were first listening to the album, like way back when, and I was getting familiar with it, I wasn't necessarily looking at the names of things. So I'm not sure I knew what the title of this song was until a little bit later on. And I, I don't remember the reaction I had to it, but, but you're not thinking, here today as one continuous phrase so. exactly exactly and that's that's what's that's what's fascinating to me because i remember you know first trying to sing along with it and i would always i'd always get it wrong right yeah. i'm glad i wasn't in a chorus um because I, I you know i'd always do today too soon or whatever um because there's that there's that pause of course speaking of speaking of titles do you know another famous here today well, I was just going to say that I, it, it would bring to mind the song that Paul McCartney wrote to memorialize John Lennon. Exactly, exactly. And I, the question is, did Paul have this title in mind? Um, oh. you know, so is it, is it just, a, is it just a, a coincidence? Is it just a, well, you can't, uh, you can't um, copyright a song title, or right. is it... This is a, you know, a little tip of the hat. And because really, when you think about it, you know, this this uh, chorus, you've got to keep in mind, love is here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's here and gone so fast. That's, you know, Paul and John, too. But anyway, so I, I immediately, you know, thought of, of that. So, uh, yeah, and, and understandably so. But I just I just I love this chorus mm -hmm. for that fact. For yeah. that fact, that the the lines, the lines as you see them on on the on the page, as it were, um, are not the way you hear them. 
I enjoy doing that with songs in general. Sometimes I will listen to a song with the lyrics pulled up in front of me. And it's interesting to hear the way they're spaced out or the way the way the portions of words are allotted to certain musical sections. Because it's not all it doesn't always work the way you think it will. And this is one of those songs that really, you know, if you were to look at the words on the page, you might assume they sounded one way, but you're almost guaranteed not going to think that they sound the way they actually sound. <laughs> This comes from uh, John Wesley Harding's Collected Stories, 1990 to 1991. It's his introduction. People ask me for my lyrics quite often, once or twice a week. Maybe they can't hear what I'm singing. For whatever the reasons, people do like to have things written down, and I'm no different. But for a number of my own reasons, I don't like to see lyrics written down. Here are a few of them. None of my heroes wrote their lyrics down until they weren't very good anymore. Then they started writing their <laughs> lyrics down furiously as if to make up for the fact that they weren't very good or sneaking them on albums one song at a time. B, a song is a bunch of words and music. Now, if the words have any structure to them, no reason why they should, but some attempt this, mine, for example, if they go anywhere, I don't want to know what the lyrical punchline is without the music that goes with it. Of course, you can call me very old-fashioned. C, lyrics don't read well on the page. The rhymes seem very crappy. D, to me, blown in the wind has a shape in my head that I wish it didn't have, and it's the shape that it has in a lyric book. It's sort of square, rectangle, square, rectangle, square, rectangle. I wish I'd never seen it written down. I wish it was blowing in the wind. And there you go. But anyway, so uh, the idea of seeing lyrics is uh, in some ways antithetical to what we should be doing with them, namely hearing them. If you don't want your lyrics to appear rectangular and square, then don't write folk songs. <laughs> right, there you go. I mean... Anyway, so, but there you go. Those are very good points. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, with the Beatles, it was really the Beatles, right? Sergeant Pepper was the first one to print the or one of the first ones to print song, you know, the, the lyrics on the album. Yeah. Um, so it became a, a part of the listening process, right? So you wouldn't go and read the lyrics on their own. You'd have them on the, on your, on the record, uh, on the sleeve. Yeah. On the sleeve. And as you played them, you would read along. You could say they wore their lonely hearts on their sleeve. <laughs> nice. Okay, let's do this. Let's do okay. this. Yeah. I'm remembering this as a holdover from listening to the Pet Sound Sessions. I think, yeah, I think Al is playing the guitar on this section because you hear it sort of underneath. You were right about those trombones. They come in really strong. And the guitar underneath is going do, 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 do. And then this whole section in the Pet Sound Sessions where Brian is going, Al, make that even more pronounced. Like the up, the upstrums, mm -hmm, make them mm -hmm. even more strident. So that, and that was really interesting to hear because I had never paid attention to the guitars before. I was too busy listening to the trombones <laughs> and the voices. <laughs> and the trombones, you hear that at the end, the trombone goes, like it, <laughs> it sort of drops down. That's so funny. 
it'll do it again later. So we'll, we'll hear it more as it goes on. And then you have the piano, the tack piano at the very end that goes doom. And and it stops, it, it ends not on a note that belongs in that chord that it's just played, but that single note prepares us to return to the verse. So Brian is very meticulous as an arranger. To say he doesn't let least. anything happen. Yeah, yeah, that's the understatement of the century. And that's what I have to say about the chorus. So second verse, these lyrics, oh my goodness, I can barely contain myself. Go ahead. Right now, right, hang on, right now. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The tambourine, to, to, oh. like, like it's it's the interjection <laughs> of the tambourine every every few measures. It, it's more involved in this verse than it was in the last verse. So I th at this at this point in the verse. So I think that's really I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, okay. The, so the, the it, lyrics right now, right? You know, so just like it starts right from the yeah, boom right now. Right now. And then we get think again, right? So you get you think and you know again. Um, and it's what's interesting is the negativity in this in this song, right? Um, which isn't it? it it's it hasn't been a, a, a the vibe for the rest of the album, right? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I hate to be a downer. Right. I mean, in light of you know some of the downers that certain Beach Boys have experienced, that sort of in hindsight reads like cruel irony to me. <laughs> but I'm the guy she left before you found her. All right, so. Okay. Um, this, this blows my mind. This, this, with this verse, we have the introduction of an I. We didn't have that in the first verse. It was, you know, you know you ought to take it slower. It was all the, the second, it was in second person perspective. And you sort of think that it's just going to be a general you, you know, or you and this person. But now it's, you know, I hate to be a downer, but I'm the guy she left before you found her. So now we find out that there is a specific narrator who is addressing this you. And the song that I can think of that does a similar thing much later is our family's number one jam, Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne you've got this story about the boy and the girl and then all of a sudden in the bridge it's well tough luck that boy is mine now so now you find out that the entire song is being narrated by this one person that's the lyrical twist that i think takes this song from great to excellent okay all right good very good point very good point so so now the... wait a minute who's who's i like and and not only i'm the guy she left so you find out within the span of a few seconds that there is a, a specific narrator and this individual has been involved with this person. Now there's all of a sudden this tangled history between these three people. And you didn't have any of that at the end of the chorus. And now within four <laughs> lines, you have all of this. You have, you have all of these characters. It's like a whole novel all of a sudden that you thought was a short story. Well, that you thought was just a piece of general advice, right? An <laughs> yeah, aphorism. Yeah. 
right? Love is yeah, here today and then yeah, it's gone, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, but now it's, uh, and so. It's not even uh, a short story. It's a Hallmark card. <laughs> now it's a novel. The guy, na- the, guy, the guy now, right? The you and the I are necessarily um, related in any way, you know, kind of friends or whatever. Um, no, it's just, no hey, let me just, let me just, let me just warn you. Um, you're going to be in, you know, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. It's actually a, it's a good Horace poem too, you know? So there you go. Roman poet Horace. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's the opposite of she loves you. But there's no, there's no reason to think that. Um, Cause it's not, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, a, it's, it's like I'm a mediator between these two people. But in this case, it, in that case, it was, you know, I'm trying to get you two back together because obviously there's just been some sort of miscommunication and you do actually care for each other. But here it's, let me warn you, buddy. <laughs> right, like, right. Because there's trouble ahead. There's yeah. trouble ahead. But then he says, well, I'm not saying you won't have a good love with her. Like, you know, I, it's almost, it's like not a violation. It's like the opposite of the violation of the bro code. You know, it's not, you know, you can't date her because I dated her. And once again, if, if we had had some indication that th- these two men were friends, these two guys were had like had a friendship or were something that maybe that would be different, but this is go ahead. Like, I wish you all the best, but, but, but it's not like, don't say right? I didn't warn you. Right. But it's not. Well, you I... don't think so. I think, I think it seems, I thought it seemed surprisingly good natured. I was like, Oh, how supportive of this narrator. Yeah. He's, uh, he's saying, uh, you know, maybe you'll do better than I, I will, but, I don't think so, right? Because, well, I'm not, first of all, it's a, once again, it's a clunky, well, I'm not saying you won't have a good love with her, right? Yeah. Let, who says have a good love, <laughs> right? I mean, was it a, have a good yeah. life with her, have a good whatever? But anyway, I keep I on think remembering. At first, at first, I thought it was have good luck with her. Yeah, okay, see? Which would um, also, once again, that wouldn't account for every single syllable, but it would make more sense as a phrase. Right, right. There are so many different phrases that could that that would work better. And yeah. and, um, but I keep on remembering things like they were. And even there, right? That's another clunky line. Um, so and then um, you have the 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 great uh, the great um, pre-chorus or uh, whatever you know. Uh, but yeah. anyway. Um, so it's, but this time it's about me. It's, she made, she made me feel so bad. Yes, right. It's, so the, and, the and phrase it, has changed to reflect the point of view. Right. This has gone from advice to warning. Yeah. Right. This is going to be you. You may not know this now. You're, you're infatuated right now. You think that she's perfection. This time is really an exception. Right. But, uh, just let me, I'm going to warn you right now things aren't going to go well. This is I Could Have Told You, that song that Sinatra recorded at Capitol. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I could have told you she's lying, but you were in love and didn't want to know. It's, and it's also any number of, of Horace poems, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, no, I, but I mean, it's, the same, it's the same thing, saying I, I know her, um, and... I was I was feeling exactly the way you uh, you are now, 
and she's gonna hurt you. She's gonna she, <laughs> she's gonna it's make you feel so well, bad. Yeah. It's right, exactly. Horace, isn't he the guy who said go west, young man? <laughs> Quintus Horatius Flaccus, to be precise. So first century Roman poet. Look him up. So, but the, but I do think we we I I you know have we had besides this is the worst trip I've ever been on in Sloop John B. Is there is there anything that remotely comes from the from the rest of the album that's as negative as this? I mean, I think we have yet to get to it. Actually, okay, there you go. Okay, I so think this in fact, not not to uh, not to be a downer <laughs> and not to provide too much of a spoiler. But if you guys come back next week, we're going to get into some dark stuff. All right. So, but hold on to that, right? But thus far, so maybe I need to rephrase my question. Yeah. Thus far, has there been anything this negative on this album? Well, I don't, I think it depends on how you consider what good would living do me in God Only Knows. I guess that's well, not as... That, yeah, that's I mean, more hypothetical, I guess. And this is more, this is going to happen. Like this is sort of definitive. Right. I don't, what, what and, do you think? and there, and there he's just saying, I love you so much yeah. that I can't imagine life without you. Right. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. But there's, there's no, there's no sense that um, you're going to leave me or you're, you know, that I'm not going to be able to live with you, you know, that's, that we're not going to have a life together. It's just, I love you so much. I can't even imagine how I could go on without you here, <laughs> here. It's um, yeah. She broke my heart. She, uh, and she's going to break yours. Yeah. Okay. This is our current all time low. Okay. There you go. All right. There you go. Because that's all one continuous clip, you get more of a sense of the shape of the chorus and of the okay, way that gotcha. the words are spaced out. Yes. Okay. Because it's all continuous and because it hasn't been cut off like I did the last time. That's what I'm right. saying. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. But there's the keep in mind, right? There's that mind again. So, but here we have a, it's not just a general... Keep in mind how quickly love goes. This is much more specific now. It's you love her now or you think you do. She's going to break your heart. Okay, I could have broken that up, but I chose not to because I, I wanted to I wanted to give an impression of how the bridge functions as a whole. 
My first note on this bridge is, is this my favorite instrumental break on the album? Because it really might be. That's a good one. Well, first of all, okay, you hear someone, you hear a voice in the background. You hear someone talking. And actually, you hear that at the tail end of the last clip as well. That's Bruce Johnston. He's having some discussion. Right. I think it's about a camera. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's what I've come across. That's you know, okay, things yeah. I've... I remember seeing something to that effect as well. And it's only on the uh, uh, the mono version. On the um, stereo version, it was uh, gotten rid of at the request okay. of Brian. So, okay. I find the uh, the um, and you can disabuse me of of uh, misunderstanding if you will, but um, uh, but I, I find it very um, what. Uh, my moving my hands isn't really helping because you're not here. Um, the it's there's turmoil, right? I, you know, yes. kind of, uh, and, and so that's what, you know, you almost, so the, the voices add to, or the, you know, the voice adds to that turmoil. Cause you almost imagine the you in this song, you know, kind of, uh, disagreeing, talking back, right. Okay. Um, hmm. saying, you know what? No, I did, you know, no, I love her. She loves me. It's, you know, it's, um, it's perfection. Right. Um, and she's perfection. And so I'm not going to listen to you because our love isn't, is going to be here today and tomorrow and forever. So, but I find the the base and, and everything going on in that, uh, in that, uh, instrumental bridge, just churning things up. There's nothing for me to disabuse you of there. I have, I mean, my notes on the music of this bridge are very much in support of that message. Um, there's, there's no disabuse on this podcast, only abuse. <laughs> okay, so no, because, talk to us. Because, okay, because the bass, you mentioned the bass specifically. Right. On that first part, you've got the chords that are going dun, 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 and you've got the bass underneath. Dun, dun, dun. Just saying it that way reminds me of Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> but the bass underneath um, is it. There's bitonality there. The bass is one step below the the root of the chord that is being played by all of the other instruments above. And so you've got the bass that's sort of hammering underneath. It's it's that very sort of frenzied current, in contrast to the starkness of the chords above that are just sort of left to echo. Like those okay. those chords are not sustained, but the bass is sustained. That's what I'm trying to say. But because they're they're playing two different notes, it sounds like you suggested very chaotic, okay, and very sort of sort of turbulent, turbulent. Yes, lots of Sturm und Drang, as we would say in my neck of the woods. And you've got I meant to mention this about the tambourines earlier. Like I haven't said enough about the tambourines, but they're keeping a very steady four four you know, four beats per measure. That I think symbolizes the, on, before this, prior to this, prior to the bridge, they've only done it on the second part of the verse, like with the saxophones and everything. But okay. here they come in early. And I think those tambourines might, if, if the idea of this turbulent bridge is suggesting the counter arguments that the addressee is giving to the addressor, I guess, um, I think the tambourine sort of represents the narrator's steady argument, I guess, 
or sort of the like this is what you would be thinking if you were sort of balanced if you had all of right. your faculties about you and if you were thinking clearly you know with your head and not with your heart this is this is the re like it sounds like the musical embodiment of a very rational way of thinking but the addressee is not thinking rationally right excellent yeah so, so there we and go you've got the mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, that sounds very brian to me i like what I very is that much, i don't know it kind of sounds like like it's still being played by the piano but that there's some sort of effect on it oh, okay maybe something distorting it a little bit and then the drums are on the the upbeat instead of the downbeat so that that's very funny i think and then you've got on the pre on what is generally the pre-chorus the part of the bridge that's going to lead us back to the chorus you hear very distinctly the ascending bass line and that was one of and you've got the organ above that that is sort of alternating between chords and it goes to a different chord which is the chord that then leads us into the chorus that was one of the things i think it may have been the thing that stuck out to me most when i was first getting to know this song all those years ago when when you hear it with the words i mean i i was really more trying to listen for what the words were saying and i knew that this was a musical idea that we had heard before but before we had heard it layered under vocals and text whereas here it's all by itself and it gets to be appreciated in all its glory and one of the one of the points you've made from the beginning is the the thing that strikes you most about this album is the bass, um, or one of the things that strikes you most about this album is the the, the bass. Is mm -hmm. the bass in this song different? I, I don't I'm, you know. Is he using bass differently, or is there anything different about the bass here than in earlier songs on the album? Hmm. I would say it's being used in less of a pop or rock and roll way and more in a classical way. Hmm. I'm really just articulating this on the spot from a rhythmic perspective, especially, and then paired with the notes that it's playing and the, the actual melodic line that it's being given. I think it's less, it's, it becomes less of something that you would find on another pop or rock and roll record of the time. And it's more of a herald to, it, it heralds Brian's classical sensibilities. Because it wouldn't, like even the bass in God Only Knows, which is the other one wherein we discussed a lot of Baroque influence, even that baseline is more, or it feels more like it owes something to pop music because of the syncopation in it. But there's not, I mean, there's some syncopation in this, this baseline, but not nearly to the same extent. It doesn't work the same way that the other baselines on the album that then, for instance, inspired the baselines on Sgt. Pepper. It isn't doing the same thing as those. Okay, all right. Or if it is, then on Sgt. Pepper, those bass lines, those types of melodies are being played by actual classical instruments. Very good. And okay, not thank by you. an electric bass or a string, or may, maybe by a string bass, but not by an electric bass. So it's more, it more has to do with the genre that the bass line is trying to evoke. 
Okay. Thank you. One final point I wanted to make about the lyric is that it isn't often that you hear a rock and roll song uh, recommending that you exercise caution. <laughs> so I do like the way Tony Asher kind of subverts that trope. He's like, hey, man, you know, be careful. You might want to think about this first. Where most, most, especially at the time, most of the most popular music was, in fact, advocating for the exact opposite. Right. Don't Carpe so diem. That's right. And I mean, for, for as much as you say carpe diem, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that you don't like dead poets society. Yeah, I would have fired that guy if I were the if I were the principal too. You so, would have been that go. guy. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> that's what see that's every teacher thinks that he would be that guy, but he wouldn't be. Um <laughs> because he doesn't teach he doesn't, <laughs> it's like you know, I'm not okay, I I'm not a hey, this is the curriculum and you've got to teach it, but Yes, you should at least touch on the curriculum sometimes. You know, you should at least, you know, mention, you know, things. And so when he, you know, real quickly, he talks about Walt the, Whitman. the scene that always drives me nuts is, you know, he, he takes him out and he starts having him walk around, you know, and I thought, oh, this is a perfect chance to uh, talk about rhythm, to talk about meter, to talk about, and his only point was, uh, don't be, uh, you know, don't be too, uh, don't be too, what, uh, um, you know, don't conform. It's like, <laughs> thanks. Great. That's, that's really top-notch teaching right there. But you know what? Anyway. It turns out that they really, he taught them the lessons that they needed. Because, you know, one of the students has, his father is really overbearing. And he ends up not making it because of his dad's expectations. And the way they clash with his own knowledge his own self-knowledge and you've got the others who are afraid to do various things and he gave them the courage that they needed with the lessons that he did teach them so you can't say that what he what he taught them what he did choose to touch on accomplished nothing all right okay good stuff i just wanted one scene where he actually taught them something literary Okay. You know, something, you know, something that they one say, would oh, recognize. They say, captain, my captain, when they stand on their desks. <laughs> <laughs> That's literary. But I, maybe, I, I don't even know if there's a scene where they, like, talk about that whole poem. No, and, there's not. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have at least Just provided be, some context. Don't, don't, don't walk in step, right? So don't walk okay. in step. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said... I would have fired him too. So. I guess that you feel about that film the way I feel about The Greatest Showman in that you've got the opera singer who, the, who based on the real opera singer, I don't remember her name, Jenny something. Um, but she sings this song that is, you know, was composed for the movie and meant to be like one of the songs in the show. But we never hear her sing any actual opera. And I would love to hear her because the point is that this, this performance takes, or this song takes place in the middle of a performance that she's giving. So I would have loved to hear even like the last few bars of an aria from some opera. Right. An actual yep. thing. 
just to to demonstrate to give some background to her, to flesh her out some some context and to show that yeah. she is an opera singer but we don't get that right and, and that's she just comes because... on and sings this song in english about you know a, a, a song that furthers the plot of the movie <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 like they don't it's like the filmmakers don't trust us oh yeah. if we actually do even if we just give a little glimpse uh it's you know people are gonna get bored or whatever yeah. you know or yeah you know, so we have to we have to kind of we have to make sure that it's always in service of the you know the larger theme um in an entertaining way right so um but you know my saying I would have fired him too. That's not unlike my saying, uh, you know, I would have been the capital suit saying, Brian, 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 what you doing? Right. But I, I at least own up. I recognize who I am. I'm not the, you know, so I'm not, um, yeah. you, the Robin Williams you, character. You, I think you look at Robin Williams and you say, but that's not me. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, all this to say that Robin Williams and Dead Poets Society would have hated this song. Because <laughs> it's all about being careful. And he's like, don't be careful. And it's, it's, it's be careful because, because I know, I know what's going to happen. Right. So there's a knowledge here. And that's, you know, because with knowledge comes. Um, with great knowledge uh, comes what? great responsibility. And 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 uh, a, a sense of of disappointment in a sense, and so you are in the same spot I was, blank time ago, and yeah. now I uh, you know and and she broke my heart right she and we don't even, you know she made me feel so bad she made my heart feel sad she made my days go wrong she made my nights so long, bam that's you in a little while. And it's not, he's not wishing it on him. There's no malice here at all, right? There's no, you know, it's, he's, he's not even being mean about her. Right. He's no. just saying, yeah, right. He's, he's just saying, right. He's just saying, this is going to happen to you. Or, or the, the odds are, this is going to happen to you. I, maybe, maybe you're going to have a good love with her, whatever that means. Um, but um I, I'm. I just remember things like they were with me and her, right? So anyway, but um, there's disillusion here, or there's just a, a a reality, right? He's not blinded by um, love. He's not blinded by this sense that she's perfect. Um, right. He knows. He knows her for who she is. And saying, be careful, because that's probably going to happen to you, too. And maybe, maybe he's just seen them at a distance and he's just kind of saying this, right? You know, kind of uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe um, he's not but, speaking directly to him. Right. But just saying that, oh, well, I've been there. It's a <laughs> I was yeah. that guy. I was that guy right there. So. Final thoughts on this song? No, I think we, I, I, I think we've, I think we've done enough to it. Oh, sorry, with it. Sorry. Oh man, that was a Freudian slip. Ah, done enough to it. No, I, I am 
really glad to finally have had an opportunity to get out all the thoughts I have had about this song <laughs> for quite a while now. That's um, why we're here. One uh, Once again, it was not a single, but it's one of the songs that I think really speaks to how far ahead of its time this album was or how pioneering it was in the landscape. Do you, th do you think it could be, it could um, not necessarily, I mean, does it make a good single now? I think so. Yeah, I guess I would say so. I think that perhaps some of like the way the chorus is structured, for example, with the spacing of the words might make it less accessible than some that like, I still don't think it would make as good a single as I'm waiting for the day, but yeah, it could certainly melody wise, it's approachable enough from a public perspective that I think it could make a good single. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. But that's okay. So that's, that's all from me. Okay. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't be as quick to make it a single as I would, be to make I'm waiting for the day a single but I would not say no out of hand all right and uh next week I just wasn't made for these times boy oh yeah, boy that's I, I'm still putting together what I'm gonna say about that or how I want to say it it's a minefield <laughs> <laughs> it's a lyrical <laughs> minefield <laughs> It's kind of a musical minefield too, actually. Where you'll hear. Come back next week and you'll hear. I was going to say, yes, invite the people to the nice people. Invite them all to a minefield. That's please, uh, please don't that's, leave us. That's that's, <laughs> that's the way to encourage people to tune in. Hey, you know what? The television show Mobile Army Surgical Hospital drew people in with literal minefields. There you go. As did Princess Diane, I believe. There you go. If minefields are good enough for Princess Di, they're <laughs> damn well good enough for us. Anyway, come back next week, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Come back, come back again. This is Gil. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. This is Cecilia. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. <laughs> so, so glad you're here today. I hope you're not gone tomorrow. That's all I'm going to say. Thanks so much for listening to Pod Sounds. We're glad you're here. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find us on Insta at pod underscore sounds underscore podcast. You can find me at CM Giglio, and you can find Gil at CT Halfwit. I've been your co-host and producer, Cecilia Gelati. See you soon. <laughs>